This is the Spiritual Awakening Show. Welcome to part six of the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. Today's topic is Shaktipat. Shaktipat is the transmission of Shakti, which is the essence of Kundalini, from someone that has attained a high degree of self-realization to an aspirant. It's a really interesting and rather mysterious, auspicious experience that I'm truly fascinated by. Before we get into that, I just want to take a moment here to invite you to check out the previous episodes of this series for more general insight, tips, and practices about the Kundalini process. You can also find the video and text versions of this series on my blog at brenspirit.com. And as always, please reach out if you have any questions about anything to do with your spiritual transformation. My email inbox is always open at info at you can also find me on Instagram at Brent Spirit, and if you'd like to meet with me one-on-one, you can find out more at brentspirit.com. Now, enjoy the episode. So as I mentioned in previous sections, there are different ways in which the Kundalini can be stimulated and activated or even fully awakened. The most direct method is known as Shaktipat. Now Shaktipat is a transmission of Shakti. Shakti is the essence of Kundalini. So Shaktipat takes place between a being who's attained a certain high degree of self-realization and a seeker, an aspirant who's longing to advance on their spiritual journey. So traditionally, within the yogic system, those who offer this transmission of Shaktipat are known as Shaktipat gurus. But not all who give Shaktipat are gurus, and not all gurus give Shaktipat. Some of these people may be simple householders with 9-to-5 jobs, and they're just, they just happen to be able to transmit Shakti because they've attained a certain high degree of self-realization on their path. They may not necessarily call themselves a guru and they may not offer their their transmission as something that they overtly and explicitly call Shaktipat. Okay? So there's many different ways of describing these phenomena and it's often difficult to use words to describe all of this to begin with. If you've been hanging around spirituality for a while, I'm sure you've kind of got that. A lot of this transcends our abilities to express things linguistically, and that's just part of the game that we're kind of playing here. However, with that said, I personally enjoy the traditions of India. I enjoy yoga. I enjoy Sanskrit. And so I lean towards that terminology and those systems. But I don't want you to feel as if one particular tradition, culture, path, or religion holds authority over the Kundalini process, just because we may like to use that their terminology or that uh, way of understanding. Ultimately, there's no authority other than God over this process. No matter what sort of lens we look at it through, this is a universal path which belongs to everybody all over the world throughout history, today, tomorrow, and beyond. So the active way by which the power of Shakti can be transmitted is called Shaktipat. Now, there are also more passive ways in which the power of Shakti can be transmitted as well. So some spiritual masters may refer to their offering as simply a spontaneous transmission. They may call it a radiance of presence. They may call it a blessing and things like that. Some of them may at times or perhaps always may choose to never speak of their transmission at all. It may just be something that they offer in silence for those who are ready and able to accept it without speaking about it at all. So there are different ways in which Shaktipat can be offered and received. It's important that we understand that it varies depending on who's giving it as well as who's receiving it.
So some may offer it by physical touch. Some may offer it with their hands, but they may keep distance, so they may not necessarily have to touch you. They can offer it by you know, directing their hands in your direction, for example. Others can offer it in a silent meditation. You just sit with them in silence, you meditate, and you experience that transmission of Shakti. Others can offer it through their gaze as well. It can also be transmitted through creative media, so books, artwork, paintings, photographs, videos, and audio recordings, all of this can contain the essence of that Shakti transmission. And so it can be uh, sort of encapsulated in that media. And when a person who's ripe and ready in a position to receive that transmission comes across those different forms of creative expression, they may be able to receive that transmission and allow their Kundalini to be either activated, stimulated, or fully awakened. Shaktipat can also be given and received over great distances simply through the power of thought. So of course, everything is here and now, everything is energy, so the limitations of time and space, they don't really apply, they're a non-factor when it comes to this idea of the transmission of Shakti. So a great master can think about somebody no matter how far away they are, and if that person is in a position to receive the Shakti, they'll receive it, and conversely, a seeker, an aspirant, can think of a great master, alive, or somebody who's left their body. And if they think with devotion and sincerity, and they're at a place on their path where they're ready to receive that Shakti transmission, they receive that radiance, that presence uh, from, from the non-physical realm. So that's how all of this can kind of work. This really transcends the limitations of this physical world of time and space. This is a, a non-physical spiritual dimension that we're speaking of here that is transcendent of the physical world, but of course, contains it as well. So there are also methods by which Shaktipat can be transmitted through sexual acts. However, due to the amount of abuse that takes place within certain spiritual contexts between, you know, corrupted authority figures and vulnerable seekers, I highly advise against getting caught up in this approach. It's not necessary. There are other, much more reasonable methods, as I just mentioned. So when it comes to Shaktipat specifically, it's typically given in person at a spiritual leader's live event. So sometimes many people line up and receive Shaktipat one after the other. But let's be critical here. I have a question for you. Do you really think tens or even hundreds of these people are going to experience a full-blown Kundalini awakening that's permanent, that's going to change the course of their lives just by showing up to one of these events? It's not likely. Kundalini activation is rare. Kundalini awakening is even rare. Preparation, devotion, and maturity is necessary. We cannot just rely on another person to do all of the work for us. We have to do our share of the work too. So even though Shaktipat is something that's offered by different spiritual guides around the world, it's not a cheat code for the spiritual journey. Don't let anyone sell you on that kind of thing, okay? So sometimes a seeker may receive Shaktipat, they can have a temporary, profound, mystical or meditative experience, and they may think that they've now become instantly self-realized or enlightened. But then, after some time, the effects of their temporary Kundalini activation wear off, and they return to mundane, worldly life. So this can create a strong craving, it can create an addiction, or it can create an attachment to the Shaktipat experience, and the person who's also giving it. So whoever's been receiving it can become hooked 
And it can be something that sort of sucks them into a cycle of constantly chasing those Shaktipat experiences, constantly looking at their spiritual teacher's calendar, hoping that they return back to town or following them around on tour, just trying to constantly be in their presence so they can feel that high, get that, get that Shaktipat presence without having to do any of the real spiritual work themselves. So of course... This is like an addiction. It's unhealthy. It can lead to strong uh, levels of insecurity, poor self-esteem because a person feels, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I have to be next to the guru in order to, you know, feel that elevated state of consciousness. And it can be a very, very unhealthy dynamic. And so it's something that we really need to be mindful of because it can also fuel abusive situations. Uh, somebody who's able to transmit Shakti can have certain people who are very, very attached to them, who could be potentially willing to do anything for them. And then so, you know, when we have somebody who's uh, not yet fully healed all of the trauma, who's got some sort of um, toxic qualities that have yet to been burned up, they can find a vulnerable seeker and suddenly there's an abusive situation going on between uh, teacher and seeker. There's an addictive quality. There's a, a very toxic dynamic that we need to be mindful of. So it's important here that we understand that Shaktipat can be given and it's very great when it's given but it's not a cheat code it's not a free pass we still have to do the work in order to progress on our spiritual path it's not something that we should uh, consider receiving over and over and over again there comes a point where we want to have the Shaktipat sort of stabilized within our own system so that we can do the work and establish ourselves to a point where we no longer need to actively seek it out on a regular basis from those that are offering it. So that's important that we understand that. I want you all to be safe. I don't want to hear about all of this sort of abuse that takes place between people who seem like they're great masters because they have attained the ability to give Shagipat. They may be very radiant, very, uh, very, very charismatic. They may have great siddhis and gifts. And they can be very great speakers, but of course, if they're not healed, if they still have things that they're working on within their heart, they can uh, be hurtful, be very, very hurtful, especially when they're given those uh, positions of authority. So please, please be mindful of this kind of dynamic. I don't want anybody to fall into that, okay? So you may be wondering, how does someone learn to give Shaktipat in the first place? Well, of course... A person needs to have undergone the Kundalini process and attained a certain high degree of consciousness. So they must have access to the earlier stages of Samadhi in meditation. Sahaja Samadhi, which is a permanent absorption in non-dual consciousness, is even more reliable and stable for being able to offer Shaktipat. Next, that person will be guided inwardly on how to best offer Shaktipat, if at all. So remember, not everyone who attains full, complete self-realization or Sahaja Samadhi as a result of their Kundalini awakening has to offer Shaktipat in an active way. They don't need to. It's only those who are called to from within, and this is a very, very sacred calling. It's nothing that we want to actively rush to uh, sort of, quote-unquote, unlock on our spiritual path. It's something that comes to us from within when the divine knows that we're ready and when that's part of our vocation, part of our purpose, part of our mission. So Shaktipat is a radiance of spiritual power. So it's important here to keep in mind that everyone radiates their vibrational state at all times. When you're around a sad person, you can feel it. They're radiating sadness. So when you're around someone that's cultivated a deep and abiding state of peace, you can feel it also. 
So whether someone is clearly guided to give Shaktipat or not, when they've attained a certain degree of stability in their Kundalini process, they'll radiate Shakti in some way or another. That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone around them will be able to pick up on it though. Some people who visited Sri Ramana Maharshi felt incredible peace and stillness when he simply looked at them. It changed their whole lives, and others felt nothing. It all depends on where a seeker is at in terms of their spiritual life and whether they're in a position to receive what is being offered. So someone once approached Sri Ramana Maharshi, and they asked him something along the lines of, I want what you have. Can you give it to me? To which he replied, I can give it, but can you take it? And so that's the question when it comes to this radiance, this Shakti, this Shaktipat. Can you take it? It cannot be forced on anyone. It can only be offered by the Shakti within, by someone who's reached those advanced stages of self-realization as a result of their Kundalini awakening. So keep in mind, it isn't exactly offered by the person themselves. It comes from something far deeper than the individual. So those that are called to offer Shaktipat, they serve only as channels for the divine to flow through them when the time is right. Those who are ready to take Shaktipat when it is offered will take it. And to become ready, one must engage sincerely in the practices of meditation, self-inquiry, and devotion. I once heard a great talk by Shinzen Young. And someone asked him if the Zen tradition has Shaktipat. So at face value, one would think, no, there's no Shaktipat in Zen. Zen is very bare bones, it's very minimal, there are rarely any talks of energy and chakras and this sort of thing. However, Shinzen said that in Zen, students meet with the Zen master one-on-one -on -one for interviews in private. There they discuss koans, they discuss their meditation practice, and that sort of thing. So it's during these private meetings that Shaktipat is offered in silence. The Zen master is not likely to speak about it at all. And they may even deny it if they're asked about it. But it's being radiated. And it's up to the student to pick up on it, to resonate with it, and to allow the master's transmission to support their own spiritual process. So within the inner realms, the Kundalini can be awakened through a transmission as well. So sometimes a seeker will experience a mystical visionary experience in meditation, or sometimes even these experiences can happen outside of meditation. They can also happen in dreams, and they can also happen during you know, drug-induced psychedelic experiences. A seeker may be visited by divine beings, spiritual masters without physical bodies, gods, goddesses, ascended masters, and the like. And these beings may offer Shaktipat and awaken the Kundalini within the seeker. So these are genuine awakenings and transmissions, and I want to validate them for anyone who's experienced or will experience them. So even though they may have taken place within the non-physical inner realms, they are valid, and they are powerful, and they're genuine. So at times, doubt and skepticism will arise about some of the experiences that you're having on your path, and it's of course healthy to be discerning, but just know that these phenomena are not unheard of by any means and you're not going crazy and they are valid and you can use those experiences that you've had and continue forward on your path knowing that you're now working with the Kundalini either in the, its activated state or in its fully awakened state. So please know that one can certainly receive Shaktipats and have their Kundalini awakened or activated within the inner realms. The Kundalini process itself 
of course, I'm sure you figured it out by now. It's profound, it's mind-boggling, and it's beyond our full comprehension as human beings. There are many different components of it that are difficult to make sense of. What's important here is that we try not to allow our lack of clear understanding on an intellectual level to impede our process on the spiritual level. I've said it before, we don't necessarily need to understand all of the ins and outs of the Kundalini process in order to be blessed and transformed by it. A caterpillar doesn't need to understand how it becomes a butterfly, it just needs to cooperate with the higher forces to make it happen. So the same is true for us. So in this next section of the series, we'll be looking at many of the different signs and so-called symptoms of a kundalini process. Stay tuned for that. I'm excited to get into that. We can look at all the different ways in which kundalini begins to manifest to let us know that it's working and how we can sort of manage those symptoms with a shift in mindset from no longer looking at them as symptoms of a sickness or as a Uh, symptoms of a problem, but rather of signs of a great blessing of transformation that's taking place within us. I'm excited to dive into that in the next part of the series. Stay tuned. If you have any questions about your Kundalini process, or if you'd like to speak with me uh, one-on-one, you can find out more at brentspirit.com. You can also find me on Instagram at brentspirit. Until next time, much love, peace.